Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Eric Erickson. Welcome. How are you? I hope you're doing well. The phone number here, 404-872-0750-1800. WSB talk. We need to talk about the Ukrainian story and there's a lot out there that really isn't true. And uh, a lot of stuff that is speculation that's being advertised as fact. And that is in, in every case, unfortunate. Let me, let me break this down for you. Uh, I, I want to use Chris Burns as my example. And I don't, I don't want to pick on Chris Burns uh, from dynamic money. Who's here on, on uh, Sunday mornings at five and, uh, comes on with me every once in a while. You know, he, he's got a, an advertisement uh, he runs during the show as well. But uh, Chris is actually, uh, I after uh, hearing his ads and whatnot and having him on a few times, Christy and I are using him for our financial plan. We were going to go through the Dave Ramsey stuff and, and decided, you know, I wanted to use somebody local. And this is what Chris does for a living. And uh, the reason I went to Chris is because Chris is not a commissions-based financial person. You, you know, there are a lot of people who you, you can hear their ads or, or talk to them and they're commissions based. And so you can't really be sure that the product they're trying to get you to invest in is uh, good for you or actually good for them based on the commission. Uh, what Chris does at Dynamic Money, just if you've always wondered, what, what do these people do? What Chris does is he's kind of like your, your primary care physician. And he brings you in, does your yearly checkup, um, sees what you're doing, works with you on your debts and how to restructure debts to pay them off and save money. And then he makes sure your accountant and your lawyer are working together, make sure your life insurance guy is working with them as need be. If you have your mortgage person, make the mortgage company working in, gets all the specialists in your financial life working together. That's his job. And you pay a fee and and you pay a fee. My wife and I, we pay a fee. You, you pay a fee, but he doesn't take a commission. So when he says, you you know what? I think you need to rearrange your money and put some of it in mutual funds. He's not recommending a mutual fund. He gets money off of. You don't even have to use him to make the investment. You can go to your financial, your investment planner and say, hey, I, my finance guy says, let's invest in this mutual fund. Do it. So I know when he gives me advice, he's giving me straight advice to benefit me, not advice wherein he might make a commission or or get money from someone to steer me to a way that financially benefits him. That's why I like using Chris. Um, and uh, dynamic money. This isn't an ad for him. I, I'm using this as a very specific example to, to highlight the problem with Ukrainian situation. I know when I go to Chris Burns and Christy and I need help, we're trying to, to pay off a debt. We want a pl- financial plan. We want to plan for the future. We want to invest money. We want to make sure we've got a, a, a good estate tax plan, things like that. He's going to give me the advice that benefits me because I pay him a fee and that's what I get. 
he's not benefiting without me benefiting. Sometimes you go to an investment advisor, they're going to tell you, hey, put all your money in this thing. Well, it turns out they want you to put your money in this thing because they get an extraordinary commission to steer people into that. And you don't know. you got to ask. you got to ask your finance guys, are they commission-based? Be careful if they are. Um, or go to Chris. Now, I, I, I say all of that because we got to have a fundamental understanding of the Ukraine story here. In the Ukraine story, we don't know who to trust. We, we don't have someone giving us information uh, like I can go to Chris and get financially. We don't have anyone giving us the facts in this situation because the media is definitely out to get the president of the United States. There is no question that the media has a vested interest in seeing Donald Trump ended. So how can you really believe uh, the reporters at the Wall Street Journal or the reporters at the New York Times or the reporters at CNN? How can you really believe them? But at the same time, on the conservative front, the conservative spin, the things you get from certain shows on Fox News and certain talk radio, they have a vested interest in protecting the president. So they're never, ever, ever going to say that something is wrong. So what do you do? Who do you trust? Well, I, I will just say to my credit, I hate them all. As a result, I think I have do a pretty good job of synthesizing the story. Uh, I, I Listen, I don't get some sort of advancement by Democrats succeeding. I certainly don't by Republicans these days. They're all terrible people. They're all politicians. They're all sinners. They all fall short of the glory of God. Uh, what I do do is I try to spend my time pulling in as many resources as possible to try to give you the best analysis I can. I will give you my position and what I think, but I do want to analyze the overall situation and explain it to you first, because it is way more complicated than most people would have you believe. There were a rush of people out this weekend saying, impeach, 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 impeach. And there were a rush of people out there, oh, he did nothing wrong. This is nothing any other president hasn't done, blah, 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 blah. The truth is in the middle. And I want to delve into the middle and, and uncover the layers here. Let's delve into the Ukraine situation. Let me just say two things up front. If the vice president of the United States intervened to stop an investigation of his son in a foreign country, that would be really bad. Number two, if the president of the United States tried to get a country to intervene politically to benefit him against a political opponent, that would be bad. This is not a matter of, well, someone did it or someone might have done it or that we can't, the Democrats, doesn't matter. Situational relativism, particularly if you're Christian, it doesn't apply here. Uh, we're not in a morally relativistic way. Uh, this is this is just legit. What are the facts? Again, it's like going to Chris Burns. Uh, Chris, my wife and I, we've got a mortgage. We got a line of credit. I'd like to be able to play these, pay these things off. How do you think we should structure this? Give me the facts. Let me give you the facts. I'm not going to get emotionally invested in it. I don't want to get emotionally invested in it. And I'm not going to take the partisan spin of rah-rah the president or, or uh, take out the president. Let me just lay everything out for you. You can make your own decision based on what I present. Number one, there is a problem for Joe Biden and his family. And irrespective of what the president may or may not have done, there is a problem for the Bidens. If you don't believe me, the story was originally written in the New York Times on May 1st, 2019 by Ken Vogel. Ken Vogel, I know him. He's an aggressive journalist on campaign finance issues. Let me read you the beginning of this May 1st article. 
It was a foreign policy role Joseph R. Biden Jr. enthusiastically embraced during his vice presidency, browbeating Ukraine's notoriously corrupt government to clean up its act. And one of his most memorable performances came on a trip to Kiev in March 2016 when he threatened to withhold $1 billion in United States loan guarantees if Ukraine's leaders did not dismiss the country's top prosecutor, who had been accused of turning a blind eye to corruption in his own office and among the political elite. The pressure campaign worked. The prosecutor general, long a target of criticism from other Western nations and international lenders, was soon voted out by the Ukrainian parliament. Among those who had a stake in the outcome was Hunter Biden, Mr. Biden's youngest son, who at the time was on the board of an energy company owned by a Ukrainian oligarch who had been in the sights of the fired prosecutor general. Now, the Democratic spin today is that there's no there there. Joe Biden did nothing wrong. Hunter Biden did nothing wrong. Here's Ken Vogel, who went on TV this weekend after one of the Democrats raised that point and said there's really no there there. On May 1st, which is this situation involving Joe Biden's sons work for this Ukrainian oligarch owned gas company, which is, I have to quibble with some of uh, what, what your previous guest said, is a significant liability for Joe Biden, like there is a story here. Uh, we've told some of it. There's more to be told. We're going to continue to to sort of pull that back. There is more to be told here. They're going to pull that back. Well, what do we have? If, if you text the word show to three three seven seven seven, that that's the new text number three three seven seven seven. Text the word show. You'd get my daily email, and you would have gotten a standalone email this morning with links to this New York Times story from from Ken Vogel and others. Uh, there's a related story in the Politico about how Joe Biden's family cashed in on his position. That members of Joe Biden's family got wealthy while he was vice president by engaging in business transactions with countries where Joe Biden was doing business on behalf of the government. ABC News has reported on uh, the questionable coincidences of Hunter Biden picking up business out of China as Joe Biden was headed to China on behalf of the government to do some negotiations. And then there's the story about a Ukrainian oligarch who loaned money to Joe Biden's brother. Two connections to Ukrainian oligarchs. Now, all of that suggests there are problems with Biden when it comes to Ukraine. And if the president of the United States were inquiring with the Ukrainian president as to whether or not it was legitimate business, if the president of the United States was make, was asking the Ukrainians to make sure that their prosecutor was not thrown out of office— to benefit Joe Biden and his son, he as the chief law enforcement and chief executive of the United States government was perfectly within his rights to do that. And Democrats may want to bluster about that. But if, 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 if the president of the United States as the chief executive officer of the United States wanted to make sure a predecessor in office was not using his influence to shut down an investigation into an American citizen uh, for potential corruption, he is well within his rights as president of the United States to do that, whether you like it or not, whether it was about a political rival or not. The question is, is that what the president was doing? Well, we don't know a lot about it. There's a legitimate issue here with Joe Biden. There is. But for all of the conservatives who are upset about Loretta Lynch meeting with Bill Clinton on, a tar on the tarmac at an airport— you should be troubled that a president met with a foreign leader about a potential political rival, regardless of who those people are.
But is there a there there? Let's explore the flip side of this, the Trump side of the equation, when we come back. Yes, there are complications there, too. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Jerry in Atlanta, you're next. Welcome. Hey, Eric. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I'm, I'm going to put on my Oliver Stone conspiracy theory hat on and ask you this regarding the Biden story and why it has legs. Do you think this is part of the mainstream media's way of maybe trying to get Biden out of the Democratic presidential primary to give Elizabeth Warren um, a clearer path to the nomination? So, no and yes. Um, I actually don't think that this is a way for um, the mainstream media to push Biden out. The story originated because of a whistleblower complaint about the president of the United States. I think it's going to become that, though, Jerry. Um, I, I, I really, really, really think that what you're going to see is the media start to say first they're they're first defensive about Biden and say no, 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 because the implication here, if you follow it out, is also to Barack Obama. There was actually a news report yesterday about the did the um, did Americans did Joe Biden and, and um, Barack Obama specifically try to push for information from Ukraine about Paul Manafort in 2016. What's your so this involves taking on Barack Obama and the media is hesitant to do that, but they're going to have to. Because the media has concluded Joe Biden is damaged goods. And they really have been trying to make Elizabeth Warren happen for years. Now is their time. They're going to do this. But what about the other side? What about the Trump side? Again, there are real problems for Barack Obama here. He does not have clean hands in this issue. But does the president? What are the facts? Not what the speculation says, but what do the facts say about the president in this? I will tell you what the actual facts are when we come back. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's Evening News. The phone number, if you want to be a part of the program, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. But if you're on the line or you're calling in, just be patient with me. I, I, I want to walk through the the Trump side of this. Uh, what do we know? What do we not know? Well, let's let's first listen to what the president himself said. Uh, two bites for you. Now, as far as my conversation, it was perfect. It was a perfect conversation. Uh, it was uh, couldn't have been any better, but we'll uh, make a determination about uh, how to release it, releasing it, saying what we said. It was an absolutely perfect conversation. The problem is when you're speaking to foreign leaders, you don't want foreign leaders to feel that they shouldn't be speaking openly and good. You have to be talking to people. And the same thing for an American president. You want them to be able to express themselves without knowing that not every single word is going to be going out and going out all over the world. When I make calls, though, I know that there are a lot of people on those calls that are listening, intelligence people, with my approval, intelligence people and others. So when you're making a call, when you're talking to a leader of a foreign country, uh, it's very easy to assume that you have many, many people listening, in addition to people listening on the other side. That's fair. He's right. Uh, you want to be able to have frank conversations. Uh, that's totally fair. Now, there's more. Him and Biden, the Biden situation. Well, I won't be mentioning much. I mean, it, you know, Vice President Biden did a terrible thing the way he put it. I'm not looking to hold him uh, to anything. I'm not looking to hurt him with respect to his son. 
Joe's got a lot of problems. Joe's got enough problems without that. But what he said was a terrible thing. And, you know, he really made it a, uh, it was an offer. It was uh, beyond an offer. It was something where he said, I'm not going to give billions of dollars to Ukraine unless they remove this prosecutor. And they removed the prosecutor supposedly in one hour. And the prosecutor was prosecuting the company of the sun and the sun. And you talk about uh, something that shouldn't have been said. He just shouldn't have said that. Okay, there's the president's side of this. Now, there are several things here. The president admits he talked to the Ukrainian president about the Biden situation. The Wall Street Journal says the president brought it up in one call eight times. Whistleblower says that the president essentially wanted to engage in a quid pro quo where he would withhold American uh, resources to Ukraine, which is in a heated controversy with the Russians, uh, basically an all-out war, unless Ukraine began this investigation again. You should also know that the New York Times says of this prosecutor that Joe Biden pressured out of a job that every Western government wanted the guy gone because he was thoroughly corrupt. That Joe Biden, even if he was benefiting his son, was doing the bidding of every Western power from Germany to France to Great Britain to Spain to Canada to Australia to New Zealand to the United States. They all wanted the guy gone. Even China had problems with the guy, wanted him gone. And so after Joe Biden threatened to withhold American uh, billion dollars of American aid, uh, he got tossed. But here's why there's so much speculation in the story. We now know from CNN the whistleblower actually had no inside knowledge of the conversation. The whistleblower was not a party to the call, did not hear the call, uh, did not participate in the call, and only learned of the call through conversations within the office. We don't know which office in the intelligence community. So he's not basing his complaint, whoever he is or she, on firsthand knowledge, we don't even know if the person is basing it on secondhand knowledge. Did they hear from someone who had inside knowledge of the call, a first party account, or did they hear from someone who heard from someone else? So the whistleblower is a, a third hand account. We we honestly we we don't know. The media doesn't know. We we don't know anything about this. The other thing we know is that someone who had direct familiarity with the phone call. And, and did listen to the phone call, said the president did bring up Joe Biden eight times in the call, but there was no quid pro quo. The president was just genuinely curious about the story. If the president was just curious about the story, then there's no there there. there there's, there's nothing for impeachment there. If the president was just curious, hey, do, and, and by the way, the, the new president of Ukraine is a comedian. And so the president's on phone with this guy and, and he keeps bringing up the Joe Biden stuff. Now, we don't know if it was all part of an extended conversation. We have no idea. It's just silly. I hate to be that way. I know a lot of you want to get the president. You know who wants to get the president? Elizabeth Warren wants to get the president. I'm, I'm here today to stand up for the Constitution of the United States of America. No one is above the law, not even the President of the United States. When the Mueller report came out, it showed three things. First, that a hostile foreign government 
attacked our 2016 election system in order to help Donald Trump. Second, that Donald Trump as a candidate welcomed that help. And third, that as president, when our federal government tried to investigate those activities, Donald Trump did everything he could to obstruct justice. I read all 448 pages, and when I got to the end, I called for the impeachment of Donald Trump. Congress failed to act, and now Donald Trump has shown that he, was, he believes he is above the law. He has solicited another foreign government to attack our election system. It is time for us to call out this illegal behavior and start impeachment proceedings right now. Of course, she would say that, but we don't actually know what he did. And that's the whole point here. We don't know. We now know that the whistleblower had no firsthand knowledge. We now know that one party who did said it was brought up four times or eight times, but it was brought up in conversation, not as a quid pro quo. It came up in the course of conversation. So is there a there there or is this another example of the media running with a story where they ultimately have to walk it back? Because we've seen literally dozens of those sorts of stories during the Trump administration. We, we don't know. Uh, we don't know enough to form an opinion. And the people who think that they have a strong opinion on this are partisans one way or the other. And, and that gets back to the Chris Burns analogy at the beginning of, of this hour that uh, I, I'm really, really deeply frustrated that uh, we don't have a conservative media that can delve into this stuff and actually tell us, uh, yeah, the president screwed up here. He was wrong. Uh, because everybody on the right, they've they've got to they got to stick up for the president. He's there. He, it's the tribe now, and people in the mainstream media are so beholden to the Democrats these days and pushing Democratic talking points. They themselves are rushing out uh, well ahead of the actual facts of the story. We, we, there are no major press outlets that seem to be willing to cover the story straight. Everybody has a partisan angle, and that's unfortunate, which is why I got to spend my day reading a billion different resources and pulling out the stuff that, that is actually fact as opposed to skepticism. It's one of the good, I guess, useful things. I, I don't practice law. I'm still paying on my law degree. But one of the great legal skills you get is pulling out opinion from fact within legal opinions and stuff, and you can kind of get that from newspapers. I mean, the facts of the matter are from the Wall Street Journal story that the president mentioned this eight times and it was not part of a quid pro quo. There was never a threat made in the course of the conversation that if they did not do this, uh, that they would have funding withheld. From CNN, we know that the whistleblower didn't actually have direct knowledge of the situation, but only heard about it from the office and felt compelled to file a complaint. We know there are plenty of partisans within the intelligence community who have been doing their best to obstruct the president. We've seen some of those, including what's-her-name from Augusta, who leaked the transcript of a pre- the president's conversation with the Australian prime minister. We know these sorts of things happen. We also know, and if you don't know, you haven't been paying attention, we also know that Donald Trump does this sort of stuff, and if you don't want to admit that this is something he would do, you haven't been paying attention. Yes, Donald Trump would demand that they take action on this. Yes, he would. Don't tell me he wouldn't. You haven't been paying attention if you think he wouldn't, but we don't know that he did. If the president engaged in a quid pro quo with Ukraine and told the Ukrainians that they needed to bring pressure to bear on Joe Biden's son and what Joe Biden did to politically benefit himself. That is a real constitutional problem. If the president 
wanted to see if Joe Biden, vice president of the United States, had himself intervene in Ukrainian politics to benefit his son, then the president was totally on sound footing. The question is, why did he do what he do? Why did he do what he did? Or was he just curious because it had surfaced in the media and he, he wanted to find out what was the gossip? This president loves gossip more than most. And if he did that, totally legitimate. We don't know why. And everybody rushing out, oh, this president, he, he did nothing wrong. Everybody else does this too. Well, you know what? Pardon me for your partisan spin. Let's actually find out what he did and why. And all the people, oh, we got to impeach the president. We got to impeach the president. You, you have actually, you're basing it on media spin. You're not basing it on the facts. I've given you now the facts. You can make up your own mind. I'll just tell you more facts will be coming. I'm sure the whistleblower complaint will come out. But also, will the transcript of the call come out? It is Eric Erickson here, and I am going to go to Andy in Buford, who has been waiting very patiently. Andy, how are you? Hey, I'm doing good. Hey, uh, a couple of quick points and questions, I guess. It's weird. Um, when you talk about uh, just the whistleblower not knowing, we also know that the inspector general found the complaint credible as well. So that's two people that are making the claim. One that says he found it credible. The second thing is about this prosecutor. He was removed in 2016, and the... Uh, case was closed in march of 2019 mm -hmm. so it's kind of weird how you know how could biden have pressured the previous guy when he wasn't president or vice president in 2019 well and lastly yeah, it, we also except. know we also know lastly if i can get it in we also know that trump did withheld military aid for several weeks from ukraine correct e so we know all those things do do we did he do that i yes. don't i don't yes, recall that one it's in Wall Street Journal, New York Times. Yeah, I don't, I don't recall Washington that one. But, but Andy, let, let's focus on just the prosecutor issue in Ukraine. Uh, you know, there are actual allegations about the replacement prosecutor that he had ties to the oligarch that was being investigated, which is also a problem. Uh, are we going to get, or, or I mean, is the media going to pursue this? Listen, I, I, I'm not dismissing the concerns about the president. If it, I, I didn't see that the president withhold mil, withheld military aid. If that's true and it's related, yeah, it's problematic. It is. Uh, it absolutely is. Uh, but we don't know. The inspector general said he found there might be some credibility to it. Uh, but how did it end up? And is it within the president's power to do? We've got more questions here than answers. Uh, do they need to look into it? Yeah, but give me a break on let's start impeachment proceedings today. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. I, oh, well, yeah, let me give you the phone number first. 404 872 wsb talk I, I am distracted. I am distracted by what I just saw. And I don't think I can play the whole, well, I, I, this was on, the audio isn't great. It's someone actually recording from their TV screen. I, I assume I can play it. Uh, somebody have their finger on the dump button because we're doing this together. We're, I just experienced like 15 seconds of this and thought, oh my goodness, I got to play this for the crowd. And everyone in the studio is now freaking out as I'm about to do Terrence Howard. At the Emmys last night, you only need to listen to just a few seconds of this. He's leaving the TV show Empire, apparently. Just listen. Uh, let me reroute the... Now that I built it up, uh, I was so distracted from it. I didn't... clear here, just... Big stars and suffering on the big screen as well. Sarah Jessica Holmes, Lucius is in the house. Terrence Howard here. 
you made huge headlines when you said after you complete these 15 episodes of Empire, you gotta walk away for a while or forever? For good. I'm, I'm, I mean, everyone keeps trying to tell me, don't say it's forever. But I spent 37 years pretending to be people so that people can pretend to watch and enjoy what I'm doing when I've made some discoveries in my own personal life with the science that you know, Pythagoras was searching for. I was able to open up the flower of life properly and find the real wave conjugations that we've been looking for for 10,000 years. Why would I continue, you know, walking on water for tips? Uh, did he join Scientology? <laughs> was that THC or Xanax? Uh, <laughs> I have no idea. Welcome to Hollywood. What's your dream? <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. All right. All right. All right. Now we, we must deal with the, with the climate people, by the way. So there, there was no major climate protest in Georgia on Saturday. However, uh, some people did show up. In Savannah at Forsyth Park, uh, the the organizers say it was 700 people. Most media observers said it wasn't quite that much, um, but it was still a good number of people. They didn't skip school on Friday. And how is it a strike anyway if you skip school on Friday uh, when your school tells you to go on strike? I don't know. Now, all that being said, I want to discuss Greta Thunberg for a moment. I want to play you the audio of her some of some of her speech um, at the United Nations earlier today uh, before we get there because it's 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 a uh, it's two minutes long this uh, is Greta Thunberg the Swedish 16 year old she has Asperger's if, if you're you've you hadn't kept up with this she's a a Swedish teenager whose parents you know one of the things with Asperger's is you take everything very literally and her parents apparently told her the world was coming to an end because of global warming and the world leaders weren't doing anything and it scared her. She she is deeply emotionally affected by the idea that the world is coming to an end. It's not her fault. She has Asperger's. And the adults around her have told her that we've got 10 years left before the world comes to an end. And so she began skipping school. Her parents gave up their careers to stop being on planes. Her mother was a world-renowned opera singer who abandoned her career because her daughter, uh, she told her daughter the world was coming to an end. we got to do radical things. Well, the daughter said, well, give up your career, and the mom placated her. Uh, they, they gave up meat to placate the child. They let her skip school to placate her so she can go protest. She encourages people around Europe to protest. You, the European students love her. Listen to this. This is children of the Cornish. This is scary stuff coming from an angry, scared 16-year-old that environmental activists have put up as a shield. So you're not allowed to question the grown-ups because of the child. You, you can't question the child. And all she's doing is, is mouthing what the adults believe and have told her. She's reflecting what adults around her have told her. And you're not allowed to attack any of them because it's a child saying it. My message is that we'll be watching you. <laughs> now she's, she's beginning to cry here she's getting emotional this is all wrong I shouldn't be up here I should be back in school on the other side of the ocean 
Yet you all come to us young people for hope. How dare you? You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. And yet I'm one of the lucky ones. People are suffering. People are dying. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction, and all you can talk about is money and fairy tales of eternal economic growth. How dare you? And they Because love it. if you really understood the situation and still kept on failing to act, then you would be evil, and that I refuse to believe. The popular idea of cutting our emissions in half in 10 years only gives us a 50% chance of staying below 1.5 degrees and the risk of setting off irreversible chain reactions beyond human control. How dare you pretend that this can be sold with just business as usual and some technical solutions? There will not be any solutions or plans presented in line with these figures here today because these numbers are too uncomfortable and you are still not mature enough to tell it like it is. You are failing us. But the young people are starting to understand your betrayal. The eyes of all future generations are upon you. That's so cliche. And if you choose to fail us, I say we will never forgive you. We will not let you get away with this. Right here, right now, is where we draw the line. The world is waking up, and change is coming, whether you like it or not. That should be a deeply disturbing message for everyone. The reason it should be deeply disturbing is because that flies in the faith, face of democracy. She's demanding that democratic governments do precisely what she wants. What if they refuse? What, what's she going to do? Actually, the better question is not what, what is she going to do? She can't do anything. She's a child. What are the adults who are advancing this message through her going to do? Do you see how this ends badly? I want to play you a clip from NPR. Before we go to break, I want to play you this clip from NPR, and I'm going to fast forward through it. Um, it, it it's about all the changes Let's coming start and whatnot, with a um, and, and they, they try to be fact-based. But I want to play, I want to get to this part. I'm, I'm abridging the clip somewhat because I want to get to this particular part where they start talking about what China is doing. Earning so much coal. But under the Trump administration, that trend has slowed. The Chinese government has been investing a lot in renewable energy, like solar and hydropower and electric public transit, and appears to be planning more. And because it's not a democracy, the leaders who make climate promises can't be voted out of office. Do, do, you, do you see where this ends? It ends in your rights being taken away from you to advance what is an ideology. There's not a lot of science to back up the fear-mongering. And yet that's what they're doing. They're, they're trying to scare people. I mean, and, and this poor girl on stage, is she really believes the world is coming to an end. The, the, the adults in her life have failed her. And they're using her. I mean, it, it is, it's abusive what has happened to this child. It is absolutely abusive. 
you should be disturbed not by governments taking or not taking action to advance a particular public policy. You should be disturbed that adults have convinced this child that the world is coming to an end and it has led her to the radical proposition that if the governments don't do what she wants, she'll find means to force them to beyond the democratic processes. That should be deeply troubling to everyone. If you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. But the problem growing businesses have that keeps them from knowing their numbers, well, they got a bunch of different systems that don't work together. They've got one system for accounting. They've got another system for sales. They have another system for inventory and so on. It's just a big inefficient mess. Taking up too much time, too many resources, it hurts the bottom line. Introducing NetSuite by Oracle, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform, it gives you the visibility and control you need to grow. With NetSuite, you save time, money, and unneeded headaches by managing sales, finance, and accounting orders, and HR instantly, right from your desktop or your phone. That's why NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business system. Right now, NetSuite is offering you valuable insight with a free guide, Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits, at netsuite.com slash eric. That's netsuite.com slash eric to download your free guide, Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits, netsuite.com slash eric. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I, a buddy of mine just sent me this. So this is right up my alley. Yes, it is. A ban on the sale of pointed kitchen knives has been demanded by the Church of England. As it says, there is no reason for them in the modern world. In a letter to ministers backed by a judge, top trauma doctors and psychiatrists, police and victims, Church of England bishops say redesigning domestic knives to give them rounded ends would combat knife crime by making life-threatening injuries far less likely. They say sharp knife points were only used historically to pick up food because forks had not been invented, and it was a time when they could be carried openly. Sharp points remain only as an anachronistic hangover from 18th century Britain, during which forks became commonplace. Now we only need the point to open packets when we can't, but have you, do these people not cook? By the way, um, there were 43,516 knife crimes in the UK, I, I, you know, too bad they don't have a Second Amendment for knives in the UK. Previously unpublished research by the Home Office Scientific Development Branch also showed rounded knives have a significantly lower penetrative capability than pointed knives. Well, duh, this is ridiculous. This is this is genuinely ridiculous. Um. You know, there's a reason to the point in the blade. If you know how to use your knife, it has a lot to do with the rocking capacity of the knife when you're cutting things with a chef's knife. This is this is ridiculous to to to. I'm just I'm actually kind of flabbergasted by this. Um, So if we ban guns here and we start having 43,000 knife attacks a year, will we ban knives here, too? We just keep banning stuff instead of addressing the underlying problem. It's Eric Erickson, the phone number here, 404-872-0750-1-800-WSB-TALK. Dave Cumming, let's go to you next. Welcome. Hey, Eric, how you doing? Good, how are you? Doing real good. Uh, long-time listener, got on the radio a couple of times, I'm, I got my 15 minutes of fame. Um, I'm wondering why 
I'm a conservative and all that, but I don't know why the uh, global climate change is not taken more seriously. I, I question that there's more science on both sides of the issue. Therefore, to err on the side of safety, wouldn't this be an issue that we need to continue to uh, push and uh, try to make better? Well, so I think that the problem is nuanced. Jonah Goldberg has actually written on this a lot and says, you know, it's there are very few people who actually dogmatically believe the climate isn't changing. It's very obvious the climate is changing. Now, are, do people argue over how much human involvement is causing it? Yes, they do. But where we're having the argument is not on human involvement. The media just accepts de facto that that's the case. Um, but what do you do about it? Do you adapt to changing in cli- changes in climate, or do you take the draconian steps to reverse it? And therein lies the problem. Uh, it, it's very easy to get people to march in the streets and say we need to do things dramatically to end and and, and reverse climate change. Although I, I do have to point out that. Um, a lot of scientists actually will privately tell you we're too far gone already. And the rest of this is just kind of mitigation. But do we want to completely disrupt our economy? And, and, you know, one of the things that gets overshadowed, particularly by Americans on the left, is that the United States has actually, uh, dramatically reduced carbon emissions. But, you know, look at, uh, the dogmatism on the left when it comes to nuclear power. You know, we should be building nuclear reactors across this nation. Georgia Power is one of the few uh, power companies out there building, investing in, and building nuclear powers in the country. If we're really in this situation and we really need to phase out carbon, then we need to be building nuclear reactors. But most of the left is opposed to nuclear reactors. In fact, one of the overarching issues here with why so many people don't take it seriously is because so many of the people who tell us these things... Don't practice what they preach. Consider just yesterday the Democrats who for the last several weeks have been telling us we need to get rid of cows, we need to get rid of straws, we need to stop eating meat, we need to tax it all to make it more expensive, we need to stop burning carbon. They went to Iowa and they participated in a 5,000-person steak fest where over charcoal... Burning charcoal, they were grilling steaks. Now, we've just seen them for multiple weeks on end telling us not to do that. And here they go doing that. So um, I'll start really treating it all seriously when the Democrats do. And they're not. And by the way, I don't care about the issue. And I think if we're going to deal with the issue, let's just adapt to it. Uh, build big seawalls in Miami. Uh, by the way, Miami is sinking. It, it really doesn't have to do with global warming. Miami's flooding because the city has tapped out its underwater reserves and it's it's beginning to sink. But let's build seawalls. If the Dutch can do it, why can't the United States uh, adapt, people? Adapt. Uh, a- adaptation or destruction of our economy. And by the way, how do we make India and China? Are, are you prepared to invade? What about Brazil and the Amazon? Are we going to invade Brazil to stop them from cutting down the Amazon? Um, You know, this is the muddy water of climate change is what do we actually do about it? I don't think we should do anything about it. I mean, take care of where you live. 
turn off the lights. There's no reason to run your car and, and pollute. And if anybody, every individual does that, we'll, we'll all improve. We'll all save money, too. Major American corporations are switching to green energy. Apple is is almost 100% renewable energy. Amazon now wants to. They're investing in, in electric cars. But, you know, there's a trade-off there, too. Uh, what the electric industry doesn't tell you is how polluting it is to mine the lithium needed for the electric batteries. Deeply polluting. Uh, third world countries have to say third world. And then there's the other issue. What do we do with Africa? This is, this is what keeps progressives up at night. What happens if Africans come onto the electric grid and decide, you know what? All those privileged people in the West have air conditioners. We want air conditioners too. Well, you have a problem there. There really aren't a lot of easy answers here. But here's the thing. One of the things that, that Greta Thunberg said in her speech that stood out to me is the idea that we're not going to come up with solutions. Uh, people globally, particularly Americans, are the most inventive people on the planet. And we come up with amazing ideas to solve amazing problems. And essentially, this worldview on the left right now with environmentalism, it is a religious dogma that people are sinners and the only way for the saved to obtain salvation is to get rid of those who continue to pollute. And that ends badly for a lot of people. But on top of that, it is a deep, deep, deep disdain for humanity. Humanity is bad. Humanity can't invent its way out of this. Humanity can't adapt. Humanity can't innovate. And I don't believe any of that's true. I think we can. I, there is somewhere out there today an inventor who's working on a wonderful invention that will help solve the problems the left fears. And they don't think that person's out there. They, they have given up hope. But the hope they've given up and they've turned to despair on the environment, it was they've given up hope on humanity first. Now, I hate people. Um, I, I, I just think I, 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 the collective is always insane. The collective is called the mob. But individually, there are some brilliant people out there who care deeply about these issues, who are working. And there's no reason to give up hope on humanity to fix these issues. But I do think ultimately we're arguing about outcomes and solutions, and I'm just okay doing nothing on this front. Adapt, people. Adapt. There's no reason for us to give up our way of life when we can adapt. Hey, you know, there's another story that uh, with all this other silliness in the news, this isn't getting any traction, except on Fox News. There was one brief mention of this. I had not heard this. Wanted to make sure you heard it before I got out of here. Uh, this is my buddy Griff Jenkins on Fox News with this story. A Fox News alert, an American Airlines mechanic accused of sabotaging a plane packed with passengers pleading not guilty and is denying all ties to ISIS. Prosecutors say the suspect admitted tampering with the jet to make overtime, but if pointed to chilling details, including ISIS videos on his phone and telling a co-worker about his own brother, who he claimed is part of the terror group. This comes amid new terror threats against major U.S. cities, including New York City. Oliver McGee is a former U.S. Deputy Assistant Secretary of Transportation and joins us now to react. Oliver, this is uh, chilling stuff. Oh, absolutely, Giff. This is very chilling. I think that we really need to start thinking about airports as national security installations in this post-9-11 world. And we really need to cast a wider net in airports from the curb through the passenger checkpoints and now onto the tarmacs near these aircraft. This pilot was essentially, or this, uh, this person, which is now under mechanic, investigation. Yeah. 
the mechanic was actually stuffing what we called a peat-taut tube named after Henry Peat-taut in 1737, actually. And this peat-taut tube at the bottom of the nose of the fuselage controls the airspeed and altitude. So the pilots of American Airlines in this flight were are heroes because they've got their indications. They basically aborted the takeoff, and this could have caused a catastrophic event in the takeoff yeah. and the climb of this aircraft. Had you heard this story? Had you heard about this story? Just absolutely crazy that this hasn't gotten a lot of attention. The prosecutor saying this guy was ISIS, allegedly. We'll keep an eye on this.